When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 200. 200? Presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel and Fact Meals. My name is Connor Ryan, and who better celebrate our 200th episode than the esteemed Ty Anderson of 98.5 The Sports Hub. Ty, what's going on? Is it because I've covered two, I've been covering the team for 200 years now, despite yes. being 32 years old? Uh, I've been covering the team since I was 11. Yes, uh, the resident Rip Van Winkle of the beat. I feel like what better way to celebrate our own special occasion, but just a wealth of knowledge of the Boston Bruins, the hundredth anniversary team. What better way to cover than the man who's two hundred years old, twice as good yeah. as the Boston Bruins? That's right. And Ty Anderson. So, That's right. Ty, what's up? So that'd be a bicentennial, right? That's what that would be. I believe so. That is. Oh the, shit! Uh, I'm bicentennial, uh, man. It's a lackluster Robin Williams movie, I know, but one of the few. There's not there's not a lot of uh, Robin Williams in our bangers, right? Maybe that is Flubber, one of them. Maybe Flubber. Yeah. Uh, one hour photo, kind of creepy. Looking back, yeah, I didn't it. like it. And people like because it it's like a little bit of a different like Robin Williams thing, but it's like I I don't I don't want to see Robin Williams. I give credit to the actor for going outside of his comfort zone. But that's like you know. Paul Rubens recasting him as like John McClane. Like, I don't, I don't want to see that. Yeah. You know, you like, don't I don't, don't want to see. No, not at all. Not at all. Anyway, before we digress into more Paul Rubens casting him in other films, Casablanca, anything like that, we'll, we'll stop right there. But uh, we do have some, to- some hockey to talk about today. I know, Ty, that uh, not a lot of Bruins related news going on, considering they're on their extended bye week with the All-Star break coming up here. But, um, Talk a little bit today about the trade deadline, trade targets, obviously some other news happened across the NHL, along with uh, looking ahead uh, next coming years for uh, international hockey as well. We'll talk a little bit on that, but figure what better way to start things off than uh, we can finally celebrate, Ty, the fact that we do not have to talk about uh, Elias Lindholm anymore. Uh, Elias Lindholm traded to the uh, Vancouver Canucks, who are clearly going all in for, I've got the list here, 2024 first round pick, conditional 2024 fourth round pick, Andre Kuzmenko, uh, Yoni Germo, who I don't even, I'm not re- exactly sure who that is, and uh, Hunter Brustovich, I think is how you say his name. It's a lot of letters jumbled together. So uh, I think when you look at that return tie and you uh, look at what, you know, the Bruins' interest there, and I believe Elliot Friedman said on Friday that the Bruins were 
kicking the tires and were interested in trying to acquire him. I think when you look at what Vancouver gave up, I can't see that being like a, a package that the Bruins were we're going to part ways with, right? When you look at just how much they were going to have to give up to get a guy like Lindholm. Yeah, I mean, the NHL comp or, or the Bruins comp rather for that package is probably something like a first round pick in 2025 because you don't have one in 2024. Um, Jake DeBrusque or Trent Frederick, depending on what the Flames value, whether it's team control, uh, Kuzmenko has one more year uh, after this year, or the talent, you know, the goal scoring, which would be DeBrusque in that case. Um, and then probably Lowry or Patra, and then a lower tiered prospect. I mean, that's a lot. It's a lot for a guy who is not under contract beyond this year. And it's a lot for a guy that, you know, like, I don't know if I feel I felt the way that I did in September about this Bruins team right now in the sense that they need a top six center. Like, it'd be great, but I feel like they have other needs that are more glaring. And so ultimately, that package was not a package that made sense for the Bruins, in my opinion, just based on their needs and based on the price paid, like, I think this Bruce team is good, but are they get into a deadline bidding war for Elias Lindholm a month, uh, five weeks before the deadline? Good. Like that, like that's a different level of good in my opinion, as weird as that may sound. Right. I mean, what was even, I know the athletic caught some flack for like a projected, like asking price. And what was the Bruins? It was like Frederick, DeBrusque and a first. Patra and a first. Okay. Which, so like, like is right at the end of the day, like they were right. I'm not going to apologize to them because I don't like them, but I, but they were right. Yeah. I, and I mean, that's one of those things where it's all right. I understand the need uh, to look at a top six centerman. And even though you're running pretty good right now with coil and Zaka and you're in a pretty good spot, I understand like if a guy's there, you want to have him and ideally lock him up long-term. But that being said, you're kind of, you kind of, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul in terms of like, Look at Trent Frederick. I know, yes, maybe he's not a top six centerman, but Trent Frederick's a really important part of your team this year. Like he's driving play kind of wherever you put him. You put him up with Martian and Coyle, he's making things happen. You put him down on the third line, he's kind of driving play down there as well. Like as much as people are, you know, even looking at uh, DeBrusque as being a trade chip and, you know, people are saying, yeah, I get rid of him. You know, he's, he's a pending free agent, whatever, like move him. Like, do you want to move a guy like Frederick for that? When again, as you said, could the Bruins like upgrade at the center position? Yeah, of course. But I feel like at this point, why get into a bidding war when there's a chance that he, that Lindholm could hit free agency where all of a sudden you can, you know, acquire a useful piece here without having to give up a Frederick or a Potra, one of the few kind of assets you have that if you're the Bruins now and you've had to put in all these win now moves and you've depleted your, your prospect pipeline, you've moved all these short term picks. Maybe this is there you hold on to those guys and see what you have available once you get to free agency. 100 percent and i think that above all else it was the first round pick like if you say to me hey you can get elias lindholm but you gotta lose jake debrusque i'm probably making that move because i just think that centers are more valuable than wingers right like just you look at the long-term scope of things um it's the first round pick for me it's it you gotta stop doing that at a certain point like like to your point like you look at what they've moved since 2018 They've picked in the first round twice, and it's been Johnny Beecher and Fabian Lysel. And one of those guys projects as a bottom six center, and the other one, we don't know yet. We haven't seen him yet. So there's a lot of pressure on those picks. And 
if you want to go a step further there, you know, Trent Frederick was a 2016 uh, first round pick. He's finally paying off. So if you if you were to trade a future first and Trent Frederick, then well now you've traded two first round picks in my opinion, and now it's like okay now now who have you had, who's been a first round pick making this team for almost ten years? It'd be Charlie McAvoy. That'd be it, you know. And and so that's a that's a steep price to pay, you know, over the long haul. And and yeah, I'm with you that I've been firm on this that I am team no more trading first round or second round picks for at least a year. Like you gotta. You got to stop at a certain point. You need to replenish your cupboard a little bit, and and so that was the the biggest deal breaker of all, in my opinion, was that it's another first round pick, and I I don't think this team is as good as you know their record indicates to the point where I'm okay with parting with yet another first round pick. That is like a that is a pure no for me this year, unless you're getting a guy who's under thirty and has term and and by term, I mean three or four years left on his contract. I'm not interested in doing it. I'm simply not. Yeah. I feel like this is the, if there's any year where you roll with the punches and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, like it's not to say the Bruins should, you know, not pick up any phone calls between now and March 8th, but in terms of them looking for a top six center and a someone where the price is going to be a first round pick, this is probably the year you can, you can step away. And again, you're still a pretty competitive team. Maybe you could use a little bit more heft, on the blue line or further down your lineup. But when you look at the fact you have so many of these guys that are uh, playing at a high level right now, you've got DeBrus playing well, you've got Frederick playing well, geeky, all these players. If there's every year where you can kind of let that, let that cruise through. And I know people fear the bridge year narrative. And again, I, I don't really view this as a traditional bridge year. And the fact that this team's still very competitive, but if there's a year for you to take that break, why not let these things play out? See what team you have here. You've got younger players that have marinated, got players put into featured roles that are rolling with it. I think this is the perfect year where you don't have to necessarily continue to deplete your, you know, your cupboard of draft picks when things are going pretty well right now. And the other part of that too, is that this is a trade market where Sean Monahan just got a first round pick. True. It's not a good trade market for, for, for buyers like the Bruins. And I think the Bruins, I think they're soft buyers. I don't, I don't think that, they're the Bruins of last year, even, you know, 2022 for that matter, where they have a glaring need both in the present and the long term. And they say, we're going to take a swing here. Like, I, I just think they're a different team. And, you know, to your point, like, yeah, like this is when, you know, like I, this is the Bruins. It's, it, it's weird to say this because of where they're on the standings. But this to a certain degree could be their 2008 where, yeah, you know, they're not going to go on a deep run necessarily, you know, like unless something goes their way, but like, let's say some injuries happen. I would much rather see how Mason Lorai, Georgie Merkulov or, or Fabian Lysel, if you, if you have to go that deep into your bag, I'd much rather see how those guys handle the playoffs than insert random third line veteran that you're bringing in that, you know, you're not going to keep, you know, like, oh, and so there are just levels to buying. And I think that the Bruins are at a different level than, say, Vancouver. Um, you know, Vancouver, like, Elias Pettersson is going to be making probably, what, $11 million next year? Yeah. Like, this like this is kind of like their – this is like when the Bruins had Pasternak that final year making $6.6 million. You're like, you got you to gotta go for it because it's going to get a lot tougher after this season. So that's where Vancouver's at, you know, in their building the Bruins I don't think they're there you know they were there but but they're not there right now you got to let right. it rebuild a little bit so I I want to see 
how some of these players play in the playoffs. I, I, I really do. If push comes to shove, I would much rather see that than, than, than rob more of your already kind of limited and tapped future, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when you look at this deadline, obviously we've talked a lot about potential targets, guys the Bruins could look at and, you know, just how far they're going to go in terms of being, you know, fishing for the top players out there, maybe making some marginal upgrades. But uh, I think there's Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald had a story that came out yesterday mentioning that for the Bruins can really assess like whether they're going to be all in on buying. They probably have to figure out what they want to do with some of their own assets and namely a guy like Jake DeBrusque, right? Because make the argument this team could be a soft seller if they either think DeBrusque is going to go to market or they want to move pieces there. Like I, I don't see them moving DeBrusque for the sake of moving him just to get draft capital not when you look at how important he is to this team but could you see a situation where this team does kind of part ways with a player or two at the deadline if, if the price is right i mean if i'm the bruins it's probably the first thing i'm doing when the team gets back from their bye week is i'm gonna sit down with jake debrusque and say what do you want to do do you yeah. want to be here you know you've said the right things you've you've played hard you've worked hard but do you want to be here because if we're sitting in limbo on March 8th, like, and if Sean Monahan is getting a first round pick and a fourth round pick and Elias Lindholm is getting what he's getting. And I know the different positions, but it's hard for me to say, no, nah, we're going to hang on to this guy and maybe lose him on July one. Like there are certain guys I'm willing, I'm willing to take that chance. David Postronk being one of them, mm -hmm. Jake DeBrusque, not quite. And that's not a knock on him. It's just that if anything, it's an, it's a compliment to him. Like you are too valuable to walk away for nothing but you're not quite the franchise level that it's like, you got to do it. Like, I, so I think it's a little bit different with, with DeBrusque and you got to find out if he's serious about being here. Cause if he's not, I'm listening, I'm listening because in this market, he could get you a first round pick and more. And, and that may be too good to pass up despite the eight years of development that you spent with Jake DeBrusque. Like, like that's a hard, that's a hard situation to put yourself in. So you need clarity there. I think because he's a guy that that you can't let walk away for nothing and he's not quite the star level that you let put you through that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's going to be fascinating to see how they how they target that in terms of one, whether he wants to stay here in terms of, you know, all right, you want to stay here. But if we offer you, you know, six years and a locked in contract, do you want that? Do you want maybe another short-term deal, which I, I believe you've mentioned before. It's like maybe you take a three, four-year deal and then all of a sudden you hit the market again at 30, 31, and you can probably still make a pretty solid contract when you look at just how much the cap is jumping up the next couple of years. But uh, where exactly he kind of falls in line in, in terms of that is going to be fascinating because he already has a pretty good floor in terms of how good he is as a two-way player. Again, we've mentioned this before. His value comes through five and five production and it's been there over the last, you know, couple of weeks, last month, really. But um, if you're not able to either bridge the gap or at least get a, a better idea as to where exactly you stand with them. Yeah, I agree. It's like, you have to, I think, do your due diligence. I don't think you're, if he says, you know, he still wants to assess his options. I don't know if that means like it's a foregone conclusion by any means, because I think it's not much of a surprise that this team is averaging what 4.3 goals per game since uh, Christmas. And it coincides with, guy like DeBrus getting hot, like he's a guy that's a really key part of your team. But when you look at uh, asset management and this team, how desperate they are to recoup some assets, DeBrusque is a guy that makes a lot of sense there. But I think the best case scenario for all sides is they work out some sort of long-term deal, whether that's a six-year deal, whether it's another bridge year, uh, another bridge contract. I feel like the best case scenario is the Bruins keep a guy like DeBrusque in place for the long haul.
100 percent and that's kind of been my you know I, I feel like some people might be thinking like well my my viewpoints are are, are a bit contradictory I would keep him. I don't think you're getting a bona fide upgrade at a similar price point. Um, but you need to know what's going on there. Like, like you're owed that, I think, as a franchise. And, you know, like let's say let's say that he's he's not part of the future. They're uncertain. You're telling me that a team like, say, Seattle wouldn't have a use for Jake DeBrusque. And I, I know maybe they're not quite buyer mode, but it's a team that has all their picks, their first and their seconds. Uh, it's a team that last I looked had um, had Thomas Tatar on their top line right now. And, and Brandon yeah. Tanev uh, and Andre Burakovsky in middle six roles. Like that's not really a team that, that, you know, I think is, is totally set with what they have. Right. And so you look at them and you say, you know, could that be a fit there? And, and this is all hypothetical. There's nothing to this right now, but like, it's an example of a team that you'd look at. You look at Seattle, like they're like their their PK has been great. They could use some more punch scoring wise. Uh, and you look at who they have right now on the wings in their top six, top nine. It's like that's a natural fit if, if he's not part of your future. And that's a difficult trade to make in season. I understand that, but like this is the year where you would do that. You know, like last year you're not trading anybody because you're like right. this is Bergeron Krejci's last hurrah. This year, there's a bit of house money there, and there's a bit of long-term planning here for this team in multiple ways. But I want to keep him. It's just, does he want to be here? I got to know that. I think the Bruins have to know that, and they have to get a, a resolution and a contract signed between now and March 8th. Like, it, like it has to happen for me. I'm, pro- I'm sorry. It sounds it sounds a bit dramatic, but it's like he's, he's a guy that could net you something real in this market, it feels like. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, definitely a question the Bruins need answered between now and and March 8th. All right, Ty, we'll, we'll take a, a quick break here. We'll go back, talk a little bit more about the deadline. But before we do that, let's hear from our good friends over at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I mean, really, it's one of the best sports days of the year. Even in the post-Brady era for Patriots fans, there's nothing better than posting up with your pals, making some buff chick dip, maybe a few nachos, ordering some wings, and watching two powerhouses play. Now I don't know about you, I'm going to take a Travis Kelsey touchdown in Las Vegas. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W, or two, or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Again, that's $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. That's a pretty good deal. So go to FanDuel.com Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass, first online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Shout out once again to our good friends over at FanDuel. All right, Ty, uh, we've talked about 
potential trade targets for the Bruins now over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've mentioned names like Liam O'Brien, uh, some more like fourth line scrappy type of players. Um, I believe it was Scott McLaughlin who wrote a story recently mentioning that Minnesota Wild, who are had a bit of a, a lost season here, they could be an appealing uh, trade partner with the Bruins. When you look at uh, the fact they've got a guy like Jacob Middleton, who's more of a top four guy, plays 20 plus minutes a night, um, works on the PK 6-3, kind of what you're looking for in terms of if you're really trying to beef up that that blue line, especially if a guy like Derek Forward is banged up, which seems like that lower body injury is still really kind of bothering him. So that's definitely something to keep tabs on. But uh, Scott also mentions, uh, you know, a guy like Pat Maroon, who uh, has won three Stanley Cups, big body, can throw his weight around, uh, physical guy. Can you you can put him on the fourth line? Surprised, I think he has like 16 points this year. So he's been pretty productive for that team. Um, and even not even just Maroon, but you got guys like Brennan Duhame who hits think every single person when he's when he gets over the ice um he's hit off minnesota does hit yeah like i think minnesota's a, a team that could have some appealing guys out there do any of those guys resonate for you in terms of a potential fit so i'm looking more i think at that that guys like maroon or duham in terms of how they fit maybe on that fourth line where i think you need a little bit more not just like the physicality but more identity i think on on that fourth line guy that kind of bring the rest of that group together yeah, I mean, this could, could could this be your you know your your Temu or or uh, Sheen version of Orlov and in Hathaway a year ago if you were to get in if you were to bring in Middleton and one of those guys like of that grouping Middleton intrigues you the most you watch him play you know I I wasn't I admittedly wasn't super familiar with him in San Jose because I just didn't really watch a lot of San Jose hockey um, can't blame you. But watching him with the wild, it's like, wow, this guy is big, but he skates really well. Um, his his underlying metrics have always kind of been really positive as well. Um, a, a guy that, you know, you go back to, to uh, what was it, 2020, 2021? Yeah, 2020, when the Bruins were linked to Mackenzie Wegar, and a lot of people were like, who? And then you talk yeah. to Bruins people, and they're like, hey. Sicko mode. They're like, hey, shut up. Shut, shut the fuck up, yeah. Shut up, idiot. They, they don't know what we know. And then, sure enough, we see Mackenzie Wegar explode, you know, a, a year, year and a half later. You know, Middleton has kind of had some of those qualities in terms of, uh, you know, how good he's looked versus maybe the name recognition. That's a guy I'd really like. I, I would really like, like Middleton, especially because he has term. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on the fourth line, though. We've talked about this before, is that, like, just needing that – that that a-hole right who, who can spark a game in, in a variety of ways and um you know pat maroon's not the fleetest of foot which kind of concerns me a little bit uh but yeah. then again neither was milan lucic and he looked good out of the gate with, with loco and beecher um so i like the idea it, it's just you know middleton i imagine is going to cost a haul because he has term right term, yeah and, and so that part makes it challenging but you also look at Minnesota and where they're at with these uh, these buyout penalties b- between Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. Like they they're willing to swallow like 15 million for these guys to go away, right? And so if you're the Bruins, like you need to kind of use that to your advantage, right? And say, hey, we can't help you out with that, but uh, we can help you out with young, cheap talent if you want it, right? And, and so that might be something that is appealing to them. Uh, entry-level guys, you know, you know, uh, not a lot of futures, but hey, we got some guys you can plug in, you know, for league minimum or, or 800,000, 825, 850, whatever it is. Um, 
but yeah, like I think like I'll post it to you this way. I, I tell you, you got room in the chamber for one move. Are you attacking the left side defense or are you attacking the fourth line energy, physicality, bruising winger? Like, where are you at now? Seeing what you've seen this year through 49 games, where do you yourself land on that front? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably right now, I'm going to steer more towards, I think you need a fourth line guy there. And that's mostly because of the fact that I think Parker Weatherspoon stepped in and I think he could legitimately be a guy that, I mean, he's, I think he's a natural left shot guy he's done a little bit of both there but um with him stepping in i think you do have at least a, a little bit of a safety net again let's see what happens when he's playing 16 17 minutes against the fucking panthers and that four check and see where exactly he is there but um I, I just think in terms of there's a need there on the fourth line plus in terms of just what's more realistic in terms of the assets and what you can get I'm sticking more with maybe the fourth line guy as opposed to a guy like Middleton. Again, I think you'd love to have both, but in terms of just how much limitations you do have, I'm probably sticking more with the fourth line kind of guy. But are you leaning more towards D, you think? It, it varies moment to moment, to quote yeah. Loki. Um, I, I would say that right now it's probably the defense because I just I haven't been able to be completely comfortable with Derek Forbert and Matt Grizzlick and even Hampus Lindholm at, at times yeah. this year where they're game-to-game Shift to shift consistency hasn't been what I would need it to be to feel very comfortable about that unit. When it as it relates to Parker Watherspoon, yeah, like you got to stress test the hell out of him. You got to get John Taffer in this building and and stress test the man and find out if he can sink or swim. Because if you're telling me, oh no, it's fine, you have Watherspoon, I'm like, okay, that's good. I I gotta know more about him. Like like and that's like he's been great. He's been absolutely fantastic. Like. 2023 me would be shocked to find out that 2024 me is saying that the Bruins are a better team, at least to my eyes, when Parker Watherspoon plays. I'd be shocked to hear that, but it is the case. However, I do want to see some more minutes against some high-end teams. You mentioned Florida. That's a great call. Uh, Can he get in against New York? Did he even play New York again? I feel like that series season might be over already. Might be already over. Um, But again, like teams like that. Like, you got to see how he plays against those kind of teams. Teams are going to go through, you know, Carolina, for example. Like, you got to see that, I think, between now and, and game one for me to go, yeah, you're good. Don't worry about it. You have Watherspoon. You're right. So, yeah. um, really intriguing. But, but like, these are two legit needs. I think no matter where you pick, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think I think both you, you have a legit need. And, and what is your identity on that fourth line? Right now, it's speed. I, I don't think they want it to be speed. I think they want some bronze and physicality some and yeah. some nastiness. I think that's just, if we go back to how it's been last year with Nick Foligno there and how it was out of the gate by design with Milan Lucic there, like they want, they want a bruiser there. So I think that's going to be a need. And so I like both those guys. It's just, I like Duhame probably a bit more than Maroon. Just, I think it's more, more in the legs there, yeah. but, but either guy is, is a good, a good fit for this team. Yeah, it would be uh, interesting to see how the Bruins kind of approach that. As you said, there's plenty of options, and you also hit the nail on the head with a guy like Wotherspoon. It's I think we all agree that he's exceeded expectations, been really good, but is he like a Stephen Kampfer where he can put him on the bench and you put him in a game when needed, and you're like, damn, he did a really good job, you know, 16, 17 minutes, or is he, hey, it's 16, 17 minutes every single night. You can hold your own against probably some taxing minutes. You're right there, and they got to figure that out, and hopefully against some good teams. I know they play like, Ottawa shit ton down the stretch here. A couple of these other teams that are further down the standings, but 
see how he does against that, especially a really fast team, because you're going to see a whole lot of that when you go into the playoffs. Um, but anyway, as we kind of push a little I mean, bit ahead here, to, uh, you know, sorry, you got, you got, I, I, I'm, this is me off the top of my head here. Like you still got, you got, you got Vegas, you got Dallas, uh, you got the hurricanes. Like he's got to be in Vancouver twice. Right. right? He's got to be in the lineup for those games. Like he, like you got to find out if he can hang, like you mentioned Stephen Camper. Well, the other alternative is that he's, he's Kevin Miller and he finds yeah. his, his pro game late in his career after all that AHL seasoning. And he's a guy you can get away with, you know, you know, kind of moving here and there and wherever. Um, and so it's going to be really intriguing to see where they use, but, but there should be, there should be some tests in there that, that they can find for him. But, but I hope they give it to him versus rolling with a guy that they may scratch in game one. Like that's, that's a whole thing that like, and I don't feel like opening the, the grizzly can of worms right now, but if we go through this whole season and then the playoffs begin and Matt Grizzly is a scratch in game two, I'm going to go, why did we do this? What is the yes. point? What is the right. point? And so, you got to use that. You got to use that uncertainty to find out what you have with a guy like Watherspoon for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ty. Well, before we uh, move on to uh, international games, the Olympics, all that good stuff, some actually exciting news from the NHL uh, for once here. Let's take another quick break and hear from our good friends over at Factor Meals. Once again, shout out to our good friends over at Factor Meals. All right, Ty, some exciting news from the NHL. Uh, they announced on Friday that uh, NHL players are going back to the Olympics. Thank Christ. 2026, 2030, 2026 in Italy, 2030 in uh, Nice, Nice, however the fuck you say it. I don't, I'm not a Duolingo guy. Nice, Nice, France. So heading international once again, best on best, as it always should be, I think. Uh, best players in the world. We finally get to see. McDavid versus Austin Matthews. Hell, uh, odds are going to be against him, but I feel like Brad Marchand is going to do whatever he can to be somewhat involved with Team Canada by 2026. Again, it's it really sucks if some of these guys who are in their prime don't get that opportunity, but uh, I think fair to say, beyond the fact the players have to be excited, I think it's good for just the game of hockey that you're finally seeing all these players on one stage playing for something that, um, beyond just Stanley Cup, I feel like, even you look back at that 2010 Olympics, USA versus Canada, how fun and uh, engaging that was. It's good for just the overall game of hockey to have this back. 100%. And, and you know, I've, I've long said for years now that uh, it's an absolute crime that Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews are basically 10 years into their careers now. And, and we haven't seen them at the Olympic stage representing their country best on best. We haven't seen that with some of the game's brightest and best young talent. And I, you know, I understand the reasons, you know, from the NHL's point of view to a certain degree, but I, I think that it's, it's a shame as good as the Americans have been these last few years yeah. in terms of closing the gap to not have American pro players in the Olympics. Forget about the time difference. I don't give a shit. People, people will watch. You go back to the game in Sochi, people watch. They didn't care there was six in the morning on a Saturday. They watched yeah. that game. And it's been it's been criminal that the NHL has not been involved in the Olympics uh, because the influx of of high-end American talent and Canadian talent for that matter as well. Like, like that is a power on power kind of showdown. 
that I would want to see. And you have other countries too that are making strides. So to get back there is huge. It's long overdue. And now comes not fucking it up, right? Like not not finding a way to make it other than the purest form of hockey, the purest form of talent on the ice. Like I want to see what they do here. I'm a little nervous still because I just am. It's how I'm how I'm wired. But this is a huge step and a long, much needed step, I think, for the league. Yeah, absolutely. I, I even saw. I think that they said the uh, the ranks at uh, 2026 in Italy are going to be NHL size ranks, so they're not going to be the international size for that either. So, and then you even look at next year, they're having, I believe, it's called the Four Nations Face Off. So, like a, I guess, a precursor to the Olympics, where. Uh, not, not official yet as to where it's going to be. People keep on saying it's going to be both in Boston and Montreal, which would be a lot of fun. That being said, it's only four nations, so it's USA, Canada, Sweden, Finland. got to say, it's a little weird. Uh, I know you got the, the situation with Russia, and I think that's kind of clouding a lot of this in terms of how they handle that. That being said, uh, it's going to be a little weird if TD Garden's all decked out for an international tournament. you got the best players in the world. David Parsonak's at home. Having having wings, a little weird, right? Yeah, I I, I don't love it. Um, if you're gonna give me an international showcase, give me an international showcase. Uh, don't no, give just me... the best four. Give it right. Like, like I don't know. Like because again, like there's there's other, you know, the the game of hockey. The, there's so much great young talent right now that. So you're gonna tell me that I need to watch Finland and Sweden, and this is not disrespectful to those teams, but a team that has Mo Sider and Leon Dreisaitl, that's yeah. not worth my time. Like that, so I don't need to watch them. A team that has David Pasternak, a top five player in this league, not worth my time. I don't have to watch that. Like, so that's the part I don't love. Um, I understand you have to make concessions to a certain degree. I, I personally, and I understand this is, I don't want this to become CNN or C-SPAN right now talking international politics, but like, I, I hate, the fact that we're punishing Russian players for something that they have no control over at the end of the day. Um, you know, I I'd like to see Ovechkin play for team Russia one final time. Right. I'd like to see that at this stage. And so I, I hope we get that, you, you know, at, at, but I, I think that if you're going to have best on best, I want true best on best. I want every country having a chance at representing themselves. If not, what is the point of the world championships we have every year? You, you know, with, with the I, the I, um, the IIHF. Um, and so, you know, that like that one, I'm not as jazzed about, but I will for sure be covering it. If it's in Boston, I will be covering it. But I, I but I, that whole time I'll be sitting there going, you know, I wish we had some, some Pasternak and yeah. Uh, yeah. Some maybe a, a team Germany or, you know, uh, Switzerland even with some of the guys that they've had breaking yeah. in the league recently. Like, like, so that part, that's what makes me not like it as much as I would say something else. Um, however, I also, I don't think I would like the team Europe catch all that they did in the 2016. I don't think I want that again. It feels like you don't vaguely, want like the, yeah, you don't want like the team, team America world police, like team together like that. Or it just feels like vaguely, the Germans, the Czechs. Yeah. Like, like, it, feels, it, it feels vaguely like insulting to like those countries. Like, yeah, you're, you're all right. Just hang out with these guys. Like, no, man, I got my own country. I want to represent the Duolingo the squad. It's like, yeah. oh no, they're pretty different. Yeah, we got the Rosetta stone chapters one through five team. It's like, <laughs> all right, I guess. So, right. um, 
it, it, it'll be cool, but 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 yeah, that's gonna leave me that's gonna leave me wanting. But now we have a reason to pay attention to international events and how teams are ranked and 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 you know if a if a team is if a team is out early in the Stanley Cup playoffs and they have a star player whose country is you know maybe on the fence in terms of qualifying for the Olympics like do you do you end up seeing someone that you would never see at the worlds now playing you know like like there's that part of it that I find really intriguing so uh, I love international hockey and to get it back in the forefront of people's brains I think is a really smart move by the league overall yeah and it's also I think exciting I think we're we're very pumped to see all these star players there. But as you said, I think once you're in the Olympics, it's great that you have the McDavid's and, you know, the dry sidles and, and all these players, the headliners. Right. But it's still always great. I, it's why I think people like the Olympics, but for, you know, a team like a few years ago when Germany went on that run and you had to look at that roster, like who the fuck are these guys? Like these guys right. maybe have a great career over in the, you know, the German league or uh, the Czech team where there's probably guys who are, 30 played their whole year there, or maybe it's a younger player who steps up. Like the fact that you have that star power, that's going to have, I think a lot of eyes on it, but as the case with the Olympics, regardless of the sport with players who step up, you know, you get to hear their stories, all that stuff. It's just good for hockey. Just so I think to have the, the players there that can elevate maybe the viewership, get the excitement there. But when it comes down to, it feels like every year as is the case with, the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, there'll be some team that goes on a run, some underdog team. And it's just good, I think, for the overall game itself, just to see uh, all these players, all these uh, countries represented again. So definitely looking forward to 2026. As you said, I think we all had to watch the Bruins play in China at like four in the morning at some point. So if we can do that for a fucking preseason game, I think we'll do it for a uh, a gold medal game if it comes to that, or even hell, uh, just a, an early stage round matchup there. So I don't think that's going to be much of an issue uh, to say he, the least. You brought up Brad Marchand. Do you think he makes it? I got a weird feeling he makes it like, cause he's a guy that can play in the fourth line. He doesn't give a shit, you know, like he'll if, do it. If there's ever a guy who had not want to discount for that, for a guy who has been very transparent about how much that would mean to him. The fact that he's pretty much says you have to drag me off the ice. And he's on pace for a fucking 40 goal year. As you said, may not be, even what he's been this year. But if you're looking for a fourth line glue guy that runs on emotion, um, a guy like Brad Martian makes a hell of a lot of sense. And if I, there's anyone who I wouldn't want to discount in a, a, a high stakes game for Canada, probably the guy who's waited his whole life to represent his team on that stage. So uh, I definitely would be rooting for him to get that spot because I, I wouldn't discount him making a run even at hell. What would it be 37, 38 at that point? Like I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, and the other part of that too is that like you look at where Team Canada is at, right? Like they had McDavid, they had McKinnon. Could they roll out a fourth line in 2026? That is Marshan, Sidney Crosby, and then take your pick at right wing, and it's like holy shit, that's what a shutdown line that would be. Yeah, you know, and so. I, I think that's a reason why, like Bergeron, when he made it in 2010, granted he was in the prime of his career, um, but he was playing like a fourth line role. And like, yeah. that was fine. He, it was great. It was imagine having that as a weapon on your PK and, and just in general for your two way game. Like that's a really valuable asset to have there. So um, I, I think it'd be really interesting. And and I would bet that he makes it now. Now the real question though, is Jeremy Swayman a goaltender for team USA? 
Like that is a that is a legit question because if there's one thing the USA has an abundance of, it is all world goaltenders. Like, does he crack that list? That's a real thing to watch. I yeah. think between now Hella and 2026. Hellebuck, Ottinger, whole bunch of those guys. Yeah, shit. It'd be fascinating again. But you know what? It's also great that uh, not only is our players excited, you also have these kind of fringe guys who are damn good players in their own right. Gonna be pretty pumped up to try to make these teams too, right? Like the it's going to be a bloodbath for like the USA goalies, but it's a good thing to have, right? When you have that now dangling in front of you, it's one thing to be like, "Oh, I hope we make it to the Olympics." You tell Brad Marsh now, like, "Hey, 2026, there's a spot there if you're good enough." I'm not gonna put it past him, right? Right, right, exactly. And and uh, with a guy like Jeremy Swayman, motivation has been a big thing for him. Um, you know, could. If you're the Bruins, do you challenge him? Not that this is like going to drive his, him entirely, but you're like, hey, man, if you can outwork Jake Ottinger and, and uh, Connor Hellebuck and uh, Thatcher Demko, like, hey, man, it's there. You know, like, like, and, and this is a guy who's motivated by everything, you know, yeah. and, and so that'd be really interesting to, uh, to see if uh, that, that could light a fire under him that way and take his game to an even higher level after what he's taken to this year already. Absolutely. So all good news, I think, for hockey fans now that their uh, NHL will be once again back in the Olympics. Uh, Ty, before we uh, wrap this up, let's do a, a little quick hit to end this one. 33 games left in the regular season. Uh, final stretch of the year. I know it's technically the, the unofficial second half. even though they have already gone way past that. Who's one Bruin that uh, needs to have a strong second half to this year to really uh, get going for the playoffs? Yeah, you know, you know, this may sound strange because his numbers are probably better than you'd think. Um, I go Charlie McAvoy, and I say this because we've seen what he can do. We've seen how he's a tone-setting, heartbeat type of player when his game is going. He's basically the Bruins version of Brad Mar. He's the Brad Marchand on the back end for the Bruins. You know, like he is that kind of guy that drags them into a game, drags them into a fight. And so it's interesting, right? Like if you had to guess right now, where do you think Charlie McAvoy ranks among NHL defensemen in points per game this year? Where, like, where do you think he would, if you had a guess, where do you think he ranks? Points per game? I'm going to say he's like 20th. There's some players with some nutty numbers. Right. You'd think that. Eighth. He's wow. eighth right now. That's so he's good. had, by all accounts, a good season. It feels like he has a, another level to hit, though. Like, pers- I, I just think he has another level to hit. And... and this second half, I feel like it's going to be the Charlie McAvoy show. I, I think he's going to get on the horse. I think he's going to get going uh, and really make a push for his team and also maybe a Norris trophy, which he's never seems to be in the conversation for. Uh, but but he's a guy that I think that, you know, I think that he's a guy that that kind of has to step up and will for this team. Yeah, and I'll go for mine. We've always talked about the usual suspects that are pressed the Lindholms. I'm going to go with Pavel Zaka is a guy who I think you need a, a stronger uh, finish of the year. Still, I think on pace for 50 points flat, pretty good. Um, the one thing with him that I think we've talked about before, he needs to shoot the puck more. I think he's 14th on the Bruins in terms of shots per 60 minutes. Ugh, yeah. uh, you look at uh, where he is now with David Poston. I think he's playing better as of late. Had a really good game against Philly. Granted, I think every fucking person on the Bruins bench had a good game against Philly. Um, but playing a little bit better as of late, which is encouraging to see. But um, when you've got Coyle and how well he's playing, if you're able to get Zaka back to even, you know, where he was last year, right? I think people had really high expectations thinking this could be the year that 
you get 65 points out of Zaka. If you just get him back to where he was last year, where especially the end of the year when he was really assertive with the puck, um, was driving play by himself, I think that's going to be huge for this team down the stretch here because I think you just you desperately need him to especially just get more pucks on net. When you've got a guy like David Pasternak who um, has made an emphasis this year to, I think, be more of a playmaker, if you're with a guy like him, if you've got with a guy like JVR who's really, really good passer in high danger ice, uh, having another triggerman like uh, like Zaka in that spot, I think can make a huge difference for a team. It's already kind of rolling on offense. So, oh, absolutely, um, nail in the head. I mean, if I was going to pick McAvoy, I was going to pick Zaka. So, I think I think those are two guys that you look at their where they are on the depth chart. Like they they naturally they have to step up and have to take their game to, to another level, even if they're playing well. It's just this team is a better team when those guys are going. That's stating the obvious, I know. But but I think the second half is going to be about those star players feeling good about themselves entering the playoffs, right? Like, that is something that I think, as we found out a year ago, watching the Florida Panthers, like, if your best players are feeling it off the jump in the playoffs, yeah. it can take you real far. And Zaka and McAvoy are two examples of, of the whether you like it or not, the Bruins' best players. Like, they are in the conversation. They're... At the very worst, Zaka is the sixth most important player on this team, right? Like, yep. and so that's kind of where they are. And he's got to be their, you know, their Sam Bennett type or, or their their right. Sam Reinhardt type. Like, he's got to be that kind of guy for this team to get where they want to go this year. Yep, without a doubt. So plenty to uh, look forward to here in this 33-game second half of the season. Uh, Ty, before we let you go, where can we find your work? Oh, you can find me on the internet, just anywhere, just in, anywhere. Just, just, just internet. Going, no, um, go on, ask Jeeves. And exactly. Just pop up. Yeah, no, you can find me at uh, 985thesportsub.com. Uh, sometimes on the radio there as well. Uh, also, my podcast that I do with uh, Matt Zoloff called the Sports Hub Underground. We do that once a week. We took this week off because there's no games to talk Nothing. about, and we did like a mid-season review last week. It kind of feels silly to do that two weeks in a row. Um, so yeah, so uh, so that's where you can find me. How about yourself? Yeah, you can find all my stuff over at boston.com and the globe. Uh, we have recaps, features, breakdowns. We'll be looking a little bit uh, more in depth at the deadline now in the weeks ahead, looking at that. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, X, whatever it's called, at Connor Ryan underscore 93. So uh, this is episode 200 of Poke the Bear. Again, uh, we would not have 200 episodes without our uh, loyal listeners, our diehard Bruins fans listening in uh, every single week. So we appreciate all the uh, the views, the listens, the comments, all that stuff. Uh, we love all of it. We wouldn't be here without you guys. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, I'm Connor Ryan. That's Ty Anderson. You guys have a great rest of your week. <laughs>